Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Festival of Waisak, and welcome to everyone who's joining us over Blog Talk Radio. The actual moment of the full moon of Taurus is tomorrow morning at 7.10 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 11.10 a.m. Greenwich Mean Time. This festival marks not only the high point of the month, It also marks the high point of the spiritual year, the supreme opportunity for approach to the hierarchy and for contact. The approach is of the worldwide meditating group to the hierarchy of masters, adepts, and initiates, the senior disciples who assemble at this time and for whom the Christ acts as representative. The contact to be made is with the Buddha, Lord of Light, who returns each year at the full moon of Taurus, bringing the touch of Shambhala, the pure energy of the spiritual will. The Buddha's purpose in releasing this annual blessing is to quicken the little wills of men, to galvanize them into fuller cooperation with divine intention, because the plan cannot work out on earth without the willing cooperation of humanity. So let us take a moment to silently acknowledge this responsibility, this opportunity, and remember that we are working in in cooperation with our fellow meditators meeting as we are throughout the world, in groups large and small, and joining us over the Internet radio. Then let us say together, the affirmation of the will, followed by the own, the sacred word, one time. In the center of the will of God I stand. Naught shall reflect my will from his. I implement that will by love. I turn towards the field of service. I, the triangle divine, work out that will within the square and serve my fellow men. of our group work over the three spiritual festivals this year, 
that the will to love fire the entire world with the spirit of relationship. The spiritual will is the will to good of the whole, but its lower counterpart is desire, personal, self-serving, and narrowly focused. Taurus is the symbol of desire in all its phases, high and low. It provides the compelling force which drives the individual to achieve a personal goal or the disciple who's motivated by spiritual aspiration to tread the path or the initiate who's governed by the will to cooperate with the plan. All of these are responses to the of different levels of consciousness to the same compelling energy, the energy of the will. The Buddha first clarified the nature of desire and its results. Christ taught the transmutation of desire into spiritual aspiration. Now, as the Shambhala force is pouring into the world, man is seeking a new understanding of God's will. This time, one which won't require blind acquiescence to an inscrutable, unknowable, but overpowering force, but one which engages the human will to cooperate by fusing the individual's will with the divine will in order to serve the greater good of the whole. The question raised in the books of Alice Bailey is whether this increasing power of the will stepped up by the impact of the Shambhala force which was released most recently in the year 2000, will have the effect of letting in a flood of illumination upon the nature of the spiritual will? Or will it simply quicken personal will and stimulate human selfishness and emotional desire? Determining the answer to that question is the objective of our meditation tonight. And it's a very timely question because the world is witnessing the effects of the misuse of the will to power as it's working out through governments and leaders who have misled their people into war and heightened the divisions in their societies. But there we hope the extreme conflict we see in the world is also clarifying the truer values which are discovered all too often through suffering. The nature of suffering, its causes and its remedy were the lifelong preoccupation of the Buddha. And this thought reveals a fascinating inner dimension to the Waisak Festival, which has been observed for centuries by Buddhists. Many of us are probably familiar with the legend of Waisak, as Alice Bailey called it, gathering in a distant valley in the Himalayas where each year pilgrims gather with the assembled hierarchy of masters, adepts, and initiates to await the annual return of the Buddha who appears in his etheric body over the rock in that great remote valley, bringing the blessing of Shambhala to the world. Christ, we're told, then receives this blessing, holds it in custody, until he releases it directly into humanity at the festival of Gemini next month. The 
The inner significance of the Buddha's return is that it's sanctioned by the Lord of the world, the planetary Logos, and that the stream of Shambhala force which the Buddha brings emanates from a, a great being who's known as the silent watcher. Who is this being? We're told that the silent watcher holds a position in relation to the planetary logos, similar to that of the soul in relation to the personality of a human being. Alice Bailey says, from the standpoint of our planetary scheme, this great life has no greater. Once a year at the Waisak Festival, the Buddha brings a dual stream of force emanating from the silent watcher and supplemented by the Lord of the world. This dual energy, the Buddha pours out in blessing over the people gathered at the ceremony in the Himalayas. And from them, it flows in turn to all peoples, all tongues, all races. The books of Alice Bailey give a fascinating insight into the guardianship which the Silent Watcher and other great beings provide for our planet. At the height, or should we say the nadir of the First World War, it's said that the spiritual hierarchy felt it necessary to invoke the aid of the Silent Watcher. So dire was the war at that time by calling upon the intercession of the Buddha But then in consultation between the planetary logos, the Buddha, and other great beings within the hierarchy, it was decided to watch and wait, so to speak, before interceding in human affairs, because to do so would have interfered with humanity's karma, and in fact the karma of the planet itself. And we're told that the hierarchy, after giving this consideration, concluded that It had confidence in humanity that humanity could come through that crisis on its own, on the strength of its own reserves. And this conclusion must have been correct because we're still here. But this story underscores how closely human and planetary destiny is watched over by great beings who oversee our planet and everything that lives upon it. This event pertaining to the war is described in Initiation Human and Solar, and it concludes with a a beautiful thought that it is literally true in an occult sense, that not a spell falleth without its fall being noticed. Not a spell falleth without its fall being noticed. What holds the silent watcher to his post? A deeply occult and mysterious aspect of the ageless wisdom teaching says the secret of the suffering of the earth chain, which makes it merit the name the sphere of suffering and the mystery of the long and painful watch kept by the silent watcher, has its origin in the events which brought the moon chain to a terrific culmination. Conditions of agony and distress such as are found on our planet, are found in no such degree in any other scheme. And it was this realization that motivated the Buddha on his mission, his extraordinary capacity 
to sense the depths of suffering present in all living things upon our planet. There's a story, maybe apocryphal, of the Buddha as a boy who, as a little boy, was left alone one day in a field which was being plowed. And suddenly he experienced firsthand the suffering which the insects and their eggs were were enduring as the grass around them was being plowed up. And at the same time, so this story goes, he felt a sense of pure joy rise up in his heart, a sensation that admitted him into a level of existence beyond worldly suffering, a place in consciousness that he called nirvana. To convey that blend of pure compassion and simultaneously the joy of detachment became the driving force of the Buddha's teaching. For the rest of his life, until he was 80, he taught everyone he could to cultivate the attitude of the onlooker, to be a silent watcher on a human level. To attain this release from suffering, the Buddha taught the need to give up clinging, clinging to objects of of desire, whether they be material or emotional or mental. For whatever holds our focus, whatever captures our desire in any of the three worlds, material, emotional, or mental, keeps us distracted and blind to reality. This is the message of the keynote for Taurus. I see, and when the eye is opened, All is light. This one-pointed vision isn't meant to shield one from suffering, but to rise above it and to see its cause and its cure. Detachment fosters the subjective focus, freeing it from concentration upon the outer levels of life where suffering occurs. From this vantage point, The observer can see the relation of the periphery to the center, of the one to the many, of the inner unity to the outer diversity. It's this divine perception which sees all things as within itself, which sees all things as within itself. This is the completed point of view, and this is pure harmlessness. Maybe that's why this holds some clue as to the why the consciousness of the Buddha is called the diamond eye. And the human being who's taken the highest initiation on our planet is called the diamond soul. A diamond is the most perfect refractor of light that we know of. Its radiance is unparalleled because there is nothing within it to impede the transmission of light. Another analogy is found in the process by which a diamond is created. Out of carbon and through tremendous heat, pressure, and time. This is the best example of initiation that we have. The Buddha represents the human achievement through transformation by fire, pressure, and time. Maybe that's why the Buddha was referred to as Gautama Buddha, the most perfect of bipeds. 
In the images we have of the Buddha which radiate compassion, we can sense his profound humanity. Year after year, the Buddha returns to our world, although he triumphed over it and gained release from the pull of its field of gravity ages ago. Year after year, he returns to demonstrate that the heart of the universe is unalterable compassion and that humanity is not alone. His act of sacrifice affirms that the nature of divinity is love and compassion. HPB, in her book, The Voice of the Silence, put it this way, Compassion is no attribute. It is the law of laws, eternal harmony, a liar's self, a shoreless, universal essence, the light of everlasting right and fitness of all things, the law of love eternal. And Alice Bailey wrote, To this everlasting compassion, the cyclic appearances of the world's saviors and avatars bear witness and are the guarantee. The method used by the perfect one, she says, the Christ, and that employed by good, is harmlessness. This is not negative, but perfect poise, a completed point of view, and divine understanding. Perfect poise. That's one of the essential laws of healing. And it may help us understand why Alice Bailey defined compassion as the right use of the pairs of opposites. Ordinarily, most of us wouldn't define compassion in that way, the right use of the pairs of opposites. That seems curious to me, until one thinks of the Buddha's teaching on the noble middle way, the major weapon of the forces of evil, is the sowing of chaos, disruption, insecurity, and fear. The recovery from these unstable conditions must be through a new civilization in which a balance is struck between those who hold on to the good old ways as they see them, the things of the past, and those who would throw everything out and build totally anew. And she points out that the inpouring seventh ray will foster a balance between these two extremes so that the noble middle way of right action and right human relations can be safely trodden. The Buddha, as the Lord of Light, taught that we must look for the light which dwells within us all, the internal lamp which lights our way if we can give up clinging to worldly desires and seek out the inner truths of existence. Each year the Buddha returns at Waisat bringing the touch of Shambhala, the pure energy of the will to good. This will, when combined with the light of the mind, the light of reason, is enough to illumine our way. I see and when the eye is opened, all is light, Taurus declares. The eye is the great directing agency in the sense of the third eye, the Ajna center, which awakens when the soul fuses with its instrument, the personality. The keynote we'll work with in our meditation will be, let the will to love fire the entire world with the spirit of relationship. Wayside presents an opportunity for humanity to cooperate 
in the establishing of a tremendous relationship created by the alignment of many different levels of consciousness all for a single unified purpose, the letting in of energies which will stimulate love, right human relations, and goodwill on earth. By uniting people of goodwill and members of the New Group of World Service in cooperation with the assembled hierarchy of masters, certain great beings can then be invoked who stand ready at this time of the May and June full moon festivals to aid our planet. They stand ready. But the spirit of invocation has to be generated by humanity. It has to originate from within humanity. We have to ask. The opportunity of Wayset covers five days. Tomorrow will be the actual day of the full moon, and it's known as the day of safeguarding, a day on which we are told we should simply regard ourselves as the recipients of as much inflowing spiritual force as we can bear. We receive, but not for ourselves, but in self-forgetfulness we seek to touch, contain, and hold force for the rest of humanity. It's to be regarded as a day of silence, a subjective silence, not necessarily on the outer levels, but a day of subjective silence in which our speech is appropriate and our relationships are fulfilled in cooperation with others, all the while preserving the subjective inner silence of attunement. It's a difficult task, but we are up to it, I'm sure. Two thoughts should, and two thoughts only should hold our attention, the need of our fellow men and the objective of providing a channel, a group channel through which spiritual energies may become available. This is then followed by two more days of distribution when we direct our attention to the outer world and endeavor to pass on whatever measure of spiritual energy we've succeeded in contacting. One by one, we probably feel we can do very little, but we don't work one by one. We work collectively as a group, and it's a worldwide group. So each of us contributes our measure, and the totality of it surely is powerful. So we know that we don't work alone in this tremendous task, but in alignment with countless groups and individuals meeting in meditation throughout the world at this time. So let us work in our meditation now with our keynote. Let the will to love fire the entire world with the spirit of relationship. Before we begin our meditation, let's look at each stage so that we can work in unison and with some <laughs> comprehension to let in the light. We begin by affirming our group fusion, our fusion with the new group of world servers who mediate between hierarchy and humanity. And we sound quietly and in unison the affirmation of group fusion. Then in the stage of alignment, Using our imagination, our visualization, 
We project the line of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy, the planetary heart center, and towards the Christ at the heart of hierarchy. And then we extend that line of light towards Shambhala, the center where the will of God is known. In the higher interlude, we hold the contemplative mind open to the energy streaming into Shambhala and radiated through hierarchy as if we were a photographic plate using the old technology of photography, still and receptive to the emerging energies. And we visualize the triangle formed by the three great planetary centers, Shambhala, Will, Hierarchy, Love, Humanity, Intelligence, coming into alignment and interplay. Then in the stage of meditation, we work with our seed thought, let the will to love fire the entire world with the spirit of relationship, developing our understanding of this thought to the best of our understanding and experience. In the stage of precipitation, and again using creative imagination, we visualize light and love and the will to good pouring throughout the planet in descending grades of consciousness, so to speak, from Shambhala through hierarchy, the new group of world servers, men and women of goodwill, and into physical centers where the energies can be anchored on earth. In the lower interlude, we ground the energies that have poured in through meditation, beginning by sounding the affirmation of love aloud together, quietly and in unison, and visualize then the downpouring spiritual inflow from Shambhala released through the hierarchy and streaming into humanity. And we try to understand how this anchoring of spiritual energy is preparing the pathway of light for the coming world teacher, the Christ. And finally, in the stage of distribution and working with the five planetary inlets, London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo, we visualize the, the irradiation of the consciousness of the whole human race as we sound the great invocation, quietly and in unison. So I will mention each stage so that we can work together. We begin by affirming our group fusion. I am one with my group brothers, and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them.
alignment. The higher interlude.
meditation on the seed thought. Let the will to love fire the entire world with the spirit of relationship.
The lower interlude. Refocusing the consciousness within the periphery of the great ashram. We sound together the affirmation of love. In the center of all love, I stand. From the center, I, the soul, will outward move. From the center, I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world.
execution. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the race of men, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, everyone. Shall we endeavor to hold whatever spiritual tension we've generated as a group and leave quietly and hold this alignment? Tomorrow morning, the full moon of Taurus occurs at 7.10, a.m. Greenwich Mean Time for all of you who've joined us on Blog Talk Radio. Thank you, everyone, and good night.
If your AC is blowing hot air, let O'Reilly Auto Parts help bring back the cool this summer. While you may need to eventually service your AC unit, get immediate relief with Interdynamics Arctic Freeze R134A refrigerant with leak sealer for $32.99. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. If your AC is blowing hot air, let O'Reilly Auto Parts help bring back the cool this summer. While you may need to eventually service your AC unit, get immediate relief with Interdynamics Arctic Freeze R134A refrigerant with leak sealer for $32.99. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.